you know, we hear about all this kind of stuff around the world, these horrific events around the world from journalists, from my peers, from my colleagues, uh, radio uh, announcer, radio host, uh, talk, uh, TV uh, journalists from all walks of life. You know, and these are the folks that you see in flak jackets and helmets on the front lines from all different walks of life who are experts in covering information and sharing it with us. And um, it's important that we understand the stress and difficulty that these folks, talk about first responders, these are folks that are right in harm's way 99% of the time so that we get information firsthand uh, as a nation, as a world, so that we're able to understand what's happening and learn how to cope or understand, you know, or, or somehow get through uh, the difficult times. My guest this evening is Ben O'Hare Byrne. Uh, he's kind of a bit of a hero of mine. So I'm a little nervous about interviewing him because he's a brilliant uh, broadcaster, uh, journalist, uh, just a great guy. Been been doing this kind of stuff for, for over 20 years in places like Afghanistan, North Korea, China, Russia, South Africa, Egypt. The guy's just been around a lot as it relates to covering difficult times. And uh, we're hoping he's going to be helpful with us tonight in terms of understanding some of the difficulties and how folks like he and other colleagues of his nature, of his, of his, in, in during these kinds of things uh, within their nature, how do they, how do they, they get through? How do they manage? And being a reporter sometimes, especially a war reporter demands that, you know, a lot about a lot of things, but when do you take the time uh, to get the help that you need um, in the midst of all this kind of stuff. Ben, welcome to the show. Um, so excited to have you here with me. I'm a, I'm a little giddy, and uh, I hope that uh, I hope I don't let you down with the questions I'm about to ask. Um, how are you yeah, making you. it? How are you making I, it? Huh? Interesting. I mean, I think when, you know, last, I guess it was late Friday, I just finished the show, actually, when all of a sudden the, the alert started to come of something happening in southern Israel. Something different, something that didn't read like things had read over. I mean, there's always been flares in, in that conflict over the years, but this one sounded and felt different. Of course, by the next day, we knew just how different it was. And, it, and you're right, it does put you in a, in a bit of a, it puts you in a bit of a mode, sadly, where you're sort of, you're trying to figure out how you're going to tell that story. And it was so, what had unfolded in, in southern Israel was so horrific that you're trying to, and also understanding the, the history of that story as well, you start to think, well, how are, how are you going to tell this? You know, and then you already can predict how the, how it's going to start to become, there's going to be people arguing about this on people are going to have different opinions about this how do you reflect those opinions so it's it, you know anytime something happens in the middle east it's always um it's always fraught and this one of course as you well know has been a really really i mean i obviously i grew up in montreal i have a lot of jewish friends that i grew up with and, and you know facebook this week their their anger their pain it's been uh, it's it's been tough and then of course I, you know i've also covered the story i have uh, arab friends as well i mean you could just feel that everyone is has this mixture of sort of anger and shock and and disbelief in some ways, but also just trying to make sense of what what is a pretty senseless thing uh, you know, that happened last week. So that's sort of where I've been at. I mean, we we tackled the story all week. We tried to get lots of different voices on, and you know, we talked to one young man whose um, whose grandmother was killed uh, in in on a kibbutz, right? And it was just, I mean, it's it's heart wrenching, right? It's heart wrenching to tell those stories, but you feel like you have to share them, even if it is. You know how difficult it is to uh, to ask the questions, right? So, um, yeah, I hear you, and and we're so fortunate to have uh, mm -hmm. folks like you being able to you know able to do that um, and and do it consistently year after year after year. Ben, how how uh, you've been at this a long time? I'm sure there's a lot of war wounds, a lot of, a lot of a lot of emotional scar tissue. Uh, what how do you how do you keep it together? 
knowing, you know, like, like for me, you know, seeing the pictures, hearing the stories, doing therapy with, you know, people all over the world that, that are affected by this and just hearing their, their, their grief. Sometimes it's hard for me to catch my breath and I'm, I'm, I'm professionally trained to do so. Um, how do you keep your stuff together? Yeah, you know, it's strange. I think it's thankfully, thankfully, it's something that we talk about a lot more now. But even when I was sort of first in war zones, maybe 2005, 2006, Afghanistan was probably the first place I was ever in a war zone. And uh, we didn't talk about it a lot. We didn't talk about mental health much. You know, we knew that obviously we were familiar with, with, the, with the notion of PTSD. And certainly it was talked about there uh, when it came to the soldiers and things they saw, which were often far more horrific than things that we saw. But we didn't talk about it a lot. And I'm happy to see that, 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 uh, that it's a, more of a conversation in journalism now. But, you know, what's funny is you, you get there and, you, and you're, you're going so hard that you don't even really think about it until it's over, until you get home, until you get on the plane. And, and you know, of course, we have the great, the old line always is, the, the, you know, the blessing that you have as a reporter is that there's a plane to get on to, to leave. So you go into these war zones and you, you report and then you get up and you, and you leave. So there's both that relief and that idea that somehow you are blessed because you get to get out of there. And at the same time, trying to hold it together. But when you're in the heat of the moment, there's so many demands and the time zones are weird and so on. So you kind of just focus on work. That's really what ends up happening. And you kind of block out everything that you're seeing, uh, trying to make sense of it, trying to figure out how you're going to, the logistics of it are very difficult. Um, so it's really when you come home that you start to reflect on it. That's, that's the tough part yeah. when, it, when, it, you come it, down, when you come down. Yeah, it's like being at a some kind of disaster, you know, disaster event, disastrous event like a car crash. And it's amazing how people can jump in. All the adrenaline is pumping. You know, that's what that gives us that strength, that that Superman, Superperson energy to move forward. And then when that wears off and it's time to calm down, that's when it, it hits us uh, like a brick in in the forehead. Certainly, that's my experience in, in you know yeah. in, in gun violence situations that I've been involved in uh, over the years. Uh, ben, you do such a, a great job at separating. Um, your, your, from what is clearly your personal views from what you need to report. Sometimes do you just find it difficult when, you know, like in this, in this particular mess that we're looking at this, this world event, that's just disastrous. Um, it's hard to, for me anyway, it's hard for me to try to connect with people who in any way, shape or form seem to think that this is okay or justified. How do you separate that, that personal trauma that you feel from, kind of reporting honestly and openly without that emotional bent or do you bring that into your work yeah i mean you try i mean it's certainly reporting uh, when you're when you're out there you're trying not to right because we know that that in so many of these issues now sometimes uh if you're in certain situations there tends to be a pretty clearly defined um i mean again you're right it, it, it's comp even i was going to say afghanistan you know if, if yeah. there were if there was a taliban suicide bombing somewhere in a market you know, I've covered yeah. these, this kind of stuff where their kids were killed. It was pretty easy to you know, pretty easy to define what was right and what was wrong. Um, and, and I think that's what, what we, you come into in a situation like this. You sort of focus on the incident. But you're right, it's very hard, especially when it comes to the Middle East and where, where I mean, just what we've seen this week in the coverage. Um, it, it, you know, it is a very difficult one. You just basically try to, you just, you know, I, I think you try to follow the events, right? You sort of, you, you follow what's happening. So, it's very easy to, and you try not to bring your personal opinion into it. I mean, there are personal stories out there that tell themselves, right? There are Canadians who are impacted. Three Canadians were killed in the attacks in southern Israel. You tell those stories. Um, you know, there are Canadians trapped in Gaza. You tell those stories. And, you know, sometimes you have to leave the overriding politics of it all 
you just you know our job as reporters is to essentially explain what's happening here's what's going on and here are the people that are being impacted by it um but obviously in this one i think we're very much accused i mean i think reporters you know, just the idea the way that people have been watching the news this week whether it's the cbc or the bbc have all kind of come under fire for the way they're covering this and i think it's uh, it's tough because this is a very emotionally charged issue for a lot of people, understandably. And whatever they watch, it's not going to necessarily be what they, it mightn't have the bent that they're hoping to see, right? And that's, uh, and that's a tough one. It's a, it's a tough one. And it's a tough one to live with, too, because, you know, you have your own thoughts. I, I, I completely and absolutely unequivocally condemn the, the, the slaughter of innocents uh, in, in southern Israel last week. I mean, there's no other way around it. Mm-hmm. I, I think Hamas is a horrific organization. Uh, who treat their own people terribly. At the same time, you see images of children in, in Gaza, and you think, well, you know, what about them? So it is a very difficult one. It is a very difficult one. Hello, everybody. This is Sami, a journalist from Gaza. I just would like to say that uh, we are a journalist in Gaza. We cannot work uh, anymore. We cannot work uh, safely because uh, we, there is no safe place in Gaza. We cannot do our job. We know thousands of uh, stories about people who are being slaughtered, inside their homes while they are sleeping but we cannot do that because of safety there's a reporter in gaza explaining how difficult it is for them uh, to do their job uh, we're going to come back here with my friend ben o'hare burn he's uh, a reporter with us um, i want to just share what came from the company that we work for which is global news part of the chorus uh, entertainment group for our global news and chorus audio teams covering uh, the strategy we offer our continued gratitude and appreciation as you deal with your unrelenting pace of news please use the efap which is part of our inside uh, employee crisis uh, or employee benefits program crisis resources and speak to your leader if you require more support we are an inclusive caring culture be mindful of each other and sensitive in your communications and reactions to the situation. I encourage you all to pay attention to your personal well-being and emotional health during this difficult time. Signed on behalf of the um, the uh, leadership team at uh, Chorus. That's the kind of company we work for. Uh, ben, um, you know, we were talking. Thanks for being here. When we come back, uh, when you come back from these events, when you're back in your hotel room, when you you know, back in the day when you were you were you were traveling and, and covering these kinds of war stories and, and horrific stories, um, what what did you do to to get your head into being able to have a meal, to be able to like you know lie down and, and close your eyes and have a sleep? And you know, did you do anything that was you know athletic or any kind of exercise? Give me give us an idea of how you coped individually uh, yourself um, over yeah, the years yeah. doing this. It, I mean, it, it often depended where you were, right? So sometimes, say, if you're in eastern Ukraine, a lot of you, a lot of the correspondents would be in the same hotel. You'd all, there was really only one hotel in places like Donetsk where you could actually do your job because you need internet connections and so on. So you'd all end up together. So at the end of every night, I mean, obviously being Canadian, you're probably, your deadlines are much later at night. But you'd, yep. you'd wander down, maybe you have a beer, you talk to the people, the other people that have been out all day, and you basically share information, right? There's, a, quite, a, there's quite a camaraderie amongst, amongst reporters in war zones, and that helps. Um, and there were other days, I'll be honest, there were days where if you witnessed things uh, that were, you know, I remember being in Thailand at one point, and you know, this was when Bangkok was, well, there was a lot of violence in Bangkok, and there were a lot of independent reporters there, and then some of them were taking, taking some risks they probably shouldn't. And people got hurt. So people were being stretchered out that day and people died. And I remember just sitting at my computer and you sort of just the tears come, right? Because yeah. that's what happens. You're just you're overwhelmed by the emotion. So oftentimes it would depend on the day, depend on what you had to do the next morning. Sometimes you just have to file and then go to bed, right? Like that was kind of what, what, it, what happened to you. 
you might might be able to get out to get something to eat and then go back in. But you kind of live with the story the whole time you're there, whether it's you know whether it was Libya or Afghanistan or mm-hmm. or other things, you know, like the terrorist attacks in Paris, which is not unlike a war zone, but you know you sort of live with the story and try to figure out what you're going to do the next day. And you kind of, as I was mentioning earlier, you sort of get all encompassed. You kind of get really wrapped up in it. And then when you leave, that's when that's when you really kind of it hits you. Um, and of course, you're trying to make sense of the grief too, because you're talking exactly. to people who are. Just, you know, just, I mean, oftentimes you'd walk away from interviews and you'd think, wow, that was very, very compelling and very, you know, very, it really shed some light on what this is all about. And then you realize, of course, you're interviewing people who are in the midst of trauma, right? I mean, they are obviously shell-shocked. That's an old term, but, uh, and so there's that, that you're trying to not, you're trying desperately not to kind of take advantage of that. At the same time, you think there's a story to tell and this is the story. So that's also a, that also weighs, I think, on a, on on a personal level in the long run, where you're like, how much grief can you share, and how much how much how do you do it without feeling like like you're exploiting someone's grief, right? So so you know the reality is though, Ben, over years, um, I don't know if you see a therapist, I don't know if you want to even get into that discussion with me, but um, you know the the there is a a, a real level of uh, traumatic stress, post-traumatic stress, uh, that folks uh, in our profession, especially uh, someone with your extensive uh, uh, experience and resume of covering stories all over the world, you know, firefighters, police officers, ambulance drivers, those kind of people, you know, over a period of 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, there's a, a, a certain amount of, of traumatic stress that, you know, if not dealt with properly, whatever properly means for you as an individual, makes it very difficult to cope moving forward. Um, have you experienced this or your colleagues experienced this? And if so, are, did you seek treatment? Are they seeking treatment? How are, or are you just sucking it up, buttercup, have a few beers and call it a day? Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, I, I'm, and I'm really happy that this whole conversation has changed in the last decade because I really feel it has. When I listen to my colleagues now who are out doing this stuff, you know, they are much, they are much more aware of the mental health impacts of this kind of work. We weren't really. I was sort of at the very end of, of those, and you know, at the very end of those reporters. I think where this was not. It was more of a suck it up thing. You know, our peers would suck it up. You know, you'd work with these people who covered war zones around the world um, for years, for decades, and they were very hardened, right? And you sort of emulated that. That's what you espoused. That's what you wanted to be like. So I'll be honest. I, I don't think I ever, I ever dealt with it properly. No, no. It just wasn't what you did. You sort of, you didn't want to, you didn't want to be taken off the next assignment, right? I mean, that that was kind yeah. of that was that yeah. was the mind yeah. that was the mindset. Like, oh, you can't you yeah. can't handle this, right? And you didn't want that because this was part of this was part of the job that you had fought so hard to get, right? So there was that aspect. Now, I do honestly think it has changed quite dramatically in the last decade or so um, because people have become fully aware of the impacts, and I'm glad to see that. But at the time, yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, I would just kind of go back to work. You know, one day you're in a war zone, then you come back and you have a day off, and the next day you're doing a story about, you know, you could be started doing a story about puppies, right? I mean, that was just the, the yeah. rhythm of the job. Um, so you kind of find your way. I think you find everyone finds their own way to cope with it. Uh, and I don't necessarily, as you pointed out, I don't necessarily think it was probably the right one, but that was the one that was kind of known to us at the time. And I think there may have been other organizations or reporters who were probably more advanced on it or more aware of it earlier. But I certainly felt like, um, you know, if, in my case, it, it wasn't it wasn't talked about much. No, although we did. Don't forget, we would get notes from, say, the anchors yeah. on your show. You'd get a note saying, realize where you are. Hope it's OK. Right. Like, I mean, you, there were little things that you would get from people through the experience that would help you cope with what you were going through. And that was those were big. Those were really big. 
Ben O'Hare, Byrne, uh, I can't thank you enough, uh, Ben, for being here with me tonight and uh, and sharing. And uh, really, uh, I'm still a little giddy that you're on my show, but uh, I do appreciate you being here. And uh, we'd like to check in with you maybe in a month or two to just see uh, how how you're coping if this thing, uh, God forbid, continues on that uh, on that long. So thanks so much for sharing here, being with us, and uh, and helping us understand what uh, goes through the minds of someone who cover these kind of uh, horrible traumatic events. Thanks so much. Anytime, Jonah. Thank you.